so much for being here. I, um, uh, I don't know. I love being together with the people of God, love worshiping God. And if you're a guest, I thank you so much for being our guest. We've been walking through this study um, in Acts, and I want to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 13 as you do that. Uh, I want to share a couple of things before we get into the message this morning. Uh, just some important notes, I guess you could say. Uh, the first thing is about our October 30th and 31st outreach that we have coming up, coming up uh, next weekend. And so we are doing two nights. The first night is October 30th. Again, uh, you've heard this already. Many of you have heard this. But I, I want to say some things and encourage you with some things um, about those two nights. The first night is with the city of Saginaw. And that is going to be at the Saginaw Rec Center. And we have an opportunity as a church to be a part of that. Uh, to not just go up there and serve food, not just go up there and hand out candy um, and, and do all those things, but to be a light, to be um, shining the light on, on that night in, in this community here in Saginaw. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you in any way can be a part of it, bringing candy is awesome, uh, but if you can volunteer that, that night would be awesome as well. And then Sunday evening, uh, here, the 31st, we're going to do our outreach like we did last year. We're going to do it out here in the parking lot. And I want to just say that this is definitely an outreach. While we have the benefits and the blessings of being together and having fun, there's going to be, you know, like I said, food and candy and things for, for people to enjoy that night. The, listen to me very carefully. The whole purpose that we do that on Sunday night, the whole purpose we do it on the 31st is for an outreach. It's to be a light. It, we, have, we, we can have fun. We have fellowship. But the whole purpose that we have the event is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that night. And so, uh, again, if you're like, man, I, I just want to go and have fun, you can come and have fun. But, but see the vision, see the mission in what we're doing that night. The whole purpose is that we would be a, a, a blessing, a light on that specific night. And that's, that's the vision behind it. So I want to encourage you to be a part. Don't just say, I just want to come and have fun. I just want to show up and, and, and be there. No, be a part. There's a, there's a registration on registrations. You can, you can sit there with your trunk or your truck tailgate down, or you can sit there for 30 minutes and watch a balance. You can do something to help serve that night so that the gospel gets out, and we as a church do that for the Lord and, and for his glory. So, again, that's, I wanted to say that first of all. So definitely those two nights are very specific outreach nights and a good way for you to be a part of that. The second thing is this. Back in September of 2019, we, uh, we made a decision after months and months and months of, of prayer and discussion and um, even years of, of prayer and, and thought uh, that the Lord had put on my heart. We made the decision to, to go to two services on Sunday morning. And in a large part, and a lot of what we're seeing around us right now is the reason. You drive down this way, there's new homes being built. You drive down this way, new homes are being built. And so we had no idea what that growth was going to look like. Um, and how fast exactly it was going to come, but we felt like we were well above 80 percent. With if you go, if we put both services together, this this sanctuary would be full. And our parking lot was the big problem. That was the biggest problem. We were running out of parking spots, and we didn't want people to come to our church and not find a spot and then leave. And so we made the decision. It's been two years now uh, to go to two services. And in that 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 vision of going to two services. We knew there were going to be difficulties. We knew there were going to be people that are stretched, but at the same time, we knew it was going to be a huge blessing to a lot of our workers, a lot of those people who are working specifically in children's ministry. 
um, because of, of the, the, the strains that it could put on you and the services that you would miss, the time in the worship service with the people of God, which is so important. Um, and so going to the two services, we, we said, you know what? Uh, it's important that we do what other churches have through trial and error found. And that is to make sure that every person stays engaged and connected in the worship services. And so what we did from the very beginning, before we even did it, said we want every worker, uh, if you are serving in some capacity, to both serve a service, serve during a service, and then also worship during a service. We want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to connect in this service. Uh, it's not about me. It's not about you hearing me. It's not about um, you hearing the music or you sitting in a pew. It's not about that. It's about bringing glory to God in the congregation of the saints. It's about worshiping him and seeing that that is an essential part of your week. The one time, the one time that you and I as the people of God in a church can gather together and do this is this time right now. And it is not only commanded, but it is essential. If you don't feel like gathering the people of God are essential, I want to encourage you to go back and get into the Word of God, get into an intimate relationship with the Lord, and you'll find that there is joy in connecting with the people of God. If you're not finding joy in connecting with the people of God, something's disconnected in your spiritual life. I'm going to say that again. If you're not finding joy in connecting with the people of God, then something is disconnected in your spiritual life. That's just a fact. That is all throughout Scripture. You never see a lone ranger. You never see somebody just saying, I can do without it. And you do, and then they go off in the wrong, wrong direction. So that's so vital to serve once in a So if you are a volunteer, we've said this in our worker meetings, but I wanted to say this, this is how important it is. And if you're looking to say, hey, I want to be involved in ministry, we want you to be involved in ministry. We want you to serve. It's such a blessing for parents to be able to come in here and their kids being taken care of next door. Huge blessing. Such an important and vital ministry that we have going on next door. But man, it's so, while that is vital, so is this. This is, this is so vital. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanted to express that from, from the pulpit every, every single one. And then the third thing is this, our groups. Uh, our groups is something that we went to in 2019 as well. Uh, it was something brand new for our church. From the very inception of our church, we've always been Sunday school and then Sunday morning service, Sunday evening and Wednesday evening service. That's how I grew up my whole life. That's how many of you uh, experienced church. That's what was normal. That's what was comfortable. And so when we made this change, we made this shift to two services, it changed everything. It changed our whole schedule. It was very uncomfortable for me, very uncomfortable for, for many of you in here. Uh, but we went to that, and, and not only for growth, but also uh, as far as room for, for growth, but growth in our individual lives, specifically in our smaller group connections. Uh, I felt like many of the Sunday school uh, classes that were going on were just having a class, just, just having the time occupied, occupied with that. And I'm not saying that the teachers weren't investing, but there were times that we were running into times uh, where teachers weren't there, uh, kids didn't have Sunday school teachers. Sometimes it just was, it, it wasn't as intentional as it needed to be in our smaller group settings. And so we went to groups, and we went to groups because we went to Sunday morning, two Sunday, Sunday morning services, we decided to move to groups to Wednesday night because that was really the only other night that we had set aside to be gathered together as a church. So we moved Sunday school essentially to Wednesday evenings. Wednesday evenings then became like Sunday school 
uh, and that. We didn't do a whole lot of changes at first. We did encourage the, there, there to be more classes and smaller groups so that there could be better connections. That was the whole thing. We need to be intentional. We need to be connecting, iron sharpening iron. We need to grow. We need to be accountable to all those things in those groups. And so as we went on, more groups formed. Some groups were smaller. Some groups were larger. And then the next year, uh, 2020, we began to add more groups on different nights other than Wednesday nights. And so now we have groups on uh, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Do we have any Thursday night groups? There's a Thursday night group, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday morning. There's, there's, there's groups all throughout the week. And that's awesome. And we want to add more groups, we want more opportunities for people to connect in that. But the, again, that, that was the purpose of that, is the intentionally connecting in our groups. Those groups, though, that's, this, is, this is so vital. Those groups are an extension of, not a replacement for, this time as well. And so while, while being in a group is vital, like serving is vital, being here, again, is vital. You guys are here, I'm preaching the choir, but I'm just saying I want it communicated very clearly for everybody to hear. Those groups are to be an extension, not a replacement for corporate worship. And I want to say this, too, on the group's note. Your group, if you are in a, an adult connect group, your group should point you to a greater connection and deeper worship in the congregation. A deeper connection, a greater connection and a deeper worship in the congregation. The reason why is because if you are finding closer fellowship and you are being sharpened in a smaller setting, then that should translate into a more intimate experience in the worship service. That's just the truth. Again, you, we're finding that in Scripture. It's all throughout Scripture. That's the way it is. And if it's not, if you're in a group and you're not feeling like that, that group is facilitating or encouraging a deeper, more intimate worship experience during a Sunday morning worship service, then you need to make sure and get that aligned before further spiritual damage is done. And that's what I'm saying. It's spiritual damage. It's everything in, in our Christian walk should point us to greater unity in the body so that we are the unified body of Christ. So the, the groups aren't a replacement for the worship. They're not getting our church in and our church on at a separate time when it's more convenient. No, it should be facilitating a greater passion, a greater connection so that when we do gather, and not everybody gets to connect like this, it, it, you know, these people over here may be talking to these people over here when they leave. You may be talking to the people over here before you leave. Maybe you cross across. Maybe you go over here and talk. But most of the time, it's not going to happen with every single person in this room. But that's why the groups are supposed to help facilitate that closer, more intimate time of worship. And so, again, I, I want to make sure those three things are commu communicated clearly. Uh, nobody, nothing's been done to upset me. Nothing's been done to, uh, to anything like that. But as, as time goes along and things begin to surface, you want to make sure that things are clearly communicated. And the telephone game doesn't happen, you know. Oh, this is what's supposed to be. No, this is what it's supposed to be. This is, this is how it's supposed to be. So, again, uh, I wanted to communicate that. If you have your Bibles in Acts chapter 13, if you're here last week, we talked about the fruit of unity. And again, very vital. The fruit of unity and submission to God's plan and ordain, uh, or, or, uh, ordain, ordained plan. Um, we saw the church at Antioch. They sent these first, missionary, uh, first missionaries out. Uh, to accomplish the, the church planning effort. And we saw that keeping the main thing, the main thing was vital for us still today. They go into the first city there on the island of Cyprus, 
And the very first thing they do is they enter into the synagogue and begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, we saw that we are to continue to keep the main thing, sharing the gospel, keeping the mission before us, even in the face of opposition. We saw that as they went through that island, they faced opposition not only from a false prophet, but from other people saying, look, we don't, we don't want uh, you to do this. And then on top of that, they saw somebody leave them. They saw one of their teammates, one of their, 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 their leadership team leave the team, leave and go back to Jerusalem. And we saw that in this, we can learn sometimes our greatest opposition is ourself. Sometimes we have insecurity. Sometimes we have fear. I would love to talk to my coworker. I would love to talk to my friend. I would love to talk to my neighbor, but I'm afraid of what they'll ask me. I'm afraid of how I'll look if I don't have all the answers. We also saw that sometimes our opposition comes in the form of idols that we make, right? We have things that we like to do. We have things that we possess. There are people in our life that sometimes we, if we're honest, we elevate them above God. And then we throw out like spiritual words to make it sound better. Well, God is still my God. Is he though? You shall have no other gods before me, is what he said. No other gods. Nothing. So our own stuff and even our own schedules become idols. And some people say, well, they're not idols to me. But the truth is, as I shared last week, so many professing believers can make time to dismiss worshiping their God with God's people to be at whatever, an event. You can make time to do that. But we don't have time to hand our neighbor a tract to tell them how to go to heaven. Something's terribly wrong with the watered-down American version of Christianity today. Something is terribly wrong. There used to be a time, even in this nation, where the things of God, the worship of God, the word of God, the mission of God was essential to a Christian's weekly life, daily life. Again, it was, it was community. It was the way that things were supposed to be. And many gripe and complain about the state and the direction of our nation today. Maybe you get on Facebook or maybe you don't. Maybe you just gripe and complain in, in, in circles. But maybe it's because the people of God have left their first love. Maybe, again, as I've said this before, maybe it's us. We're the reason. Maybe it's because we as the people of God left off keeping the main thing the main thing. And I believe we're going to have to get real if there's going to be any hope for the days, months, years ahead. I got, I got kids. Many of you in here got kids. And I'm just saying this right now. It's going to look really, really dark and ugly soon if we don't get real about the things of God. We want to dance around the things of God and just throw it in our week like it's something that we can give or take. It doesn't really matter that we're here. It doesn't really matter that we sing. It doesn't really matter that we're in the Word of God. It doesn't really matter that we share the gospel with people. And we think that something better is ahead for our kids. We're deceiving ourselves. The first missionary team, they met opposition, again, with this false prophet. They met opposition with, with their own team, part of their own team going back. We said this last week, we didn't told exactly what John Mark's reason was, but apparently it's not fitting enough for Paul the Apostle to say, okay, you can come with us on the second time around. And we know it's disheartening when a team member bails. 
And we know it's disheartening when there, people aren't helping. It's, it's disheartening when people don't respond to the word of God, when people aren't on board with the mission of the kingdom. It's disheartening. And so we can understand that Paul and, and, and Barnabas were probably a little disheartened moving on from this island. And I want to say this again, as I said last week, we can make it real quickly about ourselves, right? Many, I believe, in Christianity in America today make their Christian walk more about themselves than it is actually about God. That's why it's vital to hold Christ and esteem Christ, his word, as most important in our life. I will not compromise. That should be our theme. I will not compromise the Word of God. I will not compromise my time with God. I will not compromise the time with the people of God. I will not compromise being on mission. I will be the child, the vessel, the, the, the instrument that God has called me to be because there's not enough time for me to waste it living for me. Keeping Christ is the most important in our life. Holding tight to him is what helps us stay faithful and steadfast. When Christ is your everything, I want you to hear this. When Christ is your everything, when he's my everything, we hold him and his mission as our own. We own it. It means something to us. His people mean something to us. Everything to do with him means the most to us. How can we keep going? How can I stay steadfast? How can I do these things? Again, I think by keeping the main thing the main thing. And so I want to look forward this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse 14. We saw this. A little bit of a review this morning, but the first part of verse 14 says, but going on from Perga. Again, that's that, the whole part of being steadfast, keeping going in the face of opposition. They, they had a team member leave. They had people, you know, they, they had difficulty. They had all of this stuff going on, but look what they did. They went on. They kept on. When they were tempted to maybe fold up shop and return, look, okay, is anybody else going to leave? Maybe they asked the team. Maybe they said, hey, John Mark couldn't hack it anymore. Anybody else want to leave? Jesus asked his followers at that point, at one point in time. John chapter 6, you can go and read it. He's telling the people, look, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says it's a really hard saying. Many people walked away. He turns around to his followers, his disciples, his guys, and he asks them this question. Will you also go away? Are you going to leave too? Were they pulled to go back home and make sure John Mark made it home? Well, should we go back with him? He's a young man. Should, I mean, he's your family. Should we go back with him? Look, look what they did. We're not told the discussions they had, but what they did actually do is they went forward. They moved forward. The mission, the, 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 the kingdom regardless of what they may have felt emotionally, regardless of what they were dealing with in, in their minds and their hearts, regardless of what they had, they kept going in the mission. And I want to tell you this, if you've been a Christian, you know this. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, just as the song was sung, you're going to go through adversity. You're going to go through difficult times and seasons. It's going to be more difficult at times to live out your faith and to be faithful. That's just the reality. It's going to be more difficult at times to share the gospel with people. Why is it so hard? I remember a season when I could share the gospel with anybody. I was so on fire. I wanted to attract everybody. I wanted to talk to everybody. I wanted to invite everybody I met to church. Why, am I, why is it so difficult for me to do that now? 
Again, these men knew it was the call of Christ. It was the call of the Holy Spirit very clearly speaking to them in that leadership team. Separate. I've got a mission. I want to send them to the uttermost part of the world. Go is the word. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Go, keep going for Christ. Keep going and sharing the gospel. Keep going for the lost. Keep going with the gospel. It's the only thing that has power for salvation. It's not my speech. We, we, Brother Jeff and I were, went to a, a conference this last week, and uh, we had a, a gentleman there who was, he's a YouTuber, and he, had a, uh, he has a, an apologetic channel where he, where he has different issues and, and, and things where he has experts on and they discuss different things and science and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it, it was just interesting that uh, you, can, you can get really, really tied up in a lot of things. But it's so vital to keep the main thing the main thing. It's the gospel. It's not a clever argument. It's not, it's not your wit. It's not all the answers that you may have, biblically speaking. It's the gospel that has the power to change someone's life. The gospel. Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. Again, Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So if you're saved, if you're a child of God, your mission, please hear me this morning, your mission on this earth with lung, lungs being still filled with air, blood still running through, standing, sitting, walking, going to sleep, eating, living on this earth, your mission is not to make money. Your mission is not to have fun. Your mission is not to have stuff and do your thing. We may make money. We will make money, hopefully, to support our family. That's what we're supposed to be doing, to give to the mission of God to make sure that the gospel does get to the uttermost part of the world. We will have stuff. We, we have clothes and, and homes and cars and, and, and all those things. But that's not our mission. We are to seek the kingdom of God first. We are to stay on his mission, keeping the main thing, again, the main thing. I'm going to ask you, Christian, are you? Are we? Are we keeping the main thing, the main thing? Are you making sure that your life is being lived on mission? Every day, every week, are you saying, God, use me as a vessel. God, let me share the gospel with people this week. God, help me be useful for your kingdom. Meet, the Bible says, M-E-E-T, meet for the master, a vessel, an instrument ready for him to use. God, make me that vessel. How do you approach your weeks? Are you living on mission? I want to say this as well. There's a lot of Christians that they believe that being on mission, being gospel, being, being the light means that they're nice to people. And listen, you can be nice to people. I believe that's what Christians should do. I think Christians should be very nice to people. You can show love to them. I just, I don't, I don't necessarily go and hand tracks everybody. I don't necessarily, you know, uh, invite people to church. I, I don't really... I don't do those things, but I just show love to people. You can show love to people. That's what we're called to do as well. Be nice. Show love. 
Oh, well, I just try to be my, I just try to be a faithful church member. I'm at church every time the doors are open. I'm at my group. I'm, I'm active, involved. I, I hope my neighbors see that. Listen, you can be a faithful church member. That's what you're called to do. But if you and I leave off sharing the good news, spreading the seed of the gospel, being a part of the Great Commission, we can do all those things and not do that and miss the main thing. But I believe if we keep Christ as everything to us, if he means everything to us, if Jesus Christ truly is our God and the love of our life, you say, yes, Brother Kyle, Jesus is my God. Yes, Brother Kyle, he is the love of my life. Then would we not want to introduce him to everyone we meet? We all fall short. We all miss the mark in this. We get busy about our lives. We get going and doing the things we're doing. We get wrapped up in the moment and sometimes miss the divine appointments that God gives us. We've got to stay on mission. Are you? Verse 14 continues on. It says, they arrived in Pisidia and Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, look what they did. They went into the synagogue and sat down. Same thing. Again, this is yet another example of the men, the missionary team that God used, saying submitted to and esteeming the commands of God. Look, they could have got to, to Pisidia, Antioch. They could have got there and said, look, we've got to set up some stuff. We've got to get some stuff going. We've got to meet some people. We've got to make some connections. We've got to do this. And again, we're not told all of the details of what they did. But what the Bible does preserve for us for thousands of years is that they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. They could have immediately said, look, we, we could go to church, but we could also go and do something else. And that would, that would please God, right? Maybe we could go and hand out tracts during church while the people of God were meeting to worship God at a time and a place that he commanded. And we could do something else spiritual and God would be pleased, right? No, they did not neglect the synagogue on the Sabbath day. The questions that I have here is this. So this missionary team gets to the Cyprus. They go to the they go to synagogue on the Sabbath day and preach the gospel. They leave Cyprus, the island. They go to Antioch, Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day they're found in the synagogue again, not neglecting the assembling of themselves. The question is, were they esteeming the commands of God because they had to? Well, I guess we got to go to church, man. I'm tired. We've been traveling on that boat. I don't, I'm not in my own bed. I don't have, you know, the, my, the comforts of my own home. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I just want to rest. Can I just stay home? I mean, God would understand. We left our homes. We gave up our jobs. We left everything to go on this missionary journey for him. The Holy Spirit called us out. Look, can I just chill on this Sabbath day instead of going to church and sitting on a pew and listening to what they had to say? Did they esteem the commands of God because they had to? Did they go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day because they didn't want to hear it from the pastor or their group leader or whatever back in Antioch and asking them why they weren't in the synagogue on the Sabbath day? Did they go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day so that other believers wouldn't talk about why they weren't at the synagogue on the Sabbath day? 
Is that why they went? Did they go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day because they had to? I don't believe so. I don't believe that's why they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I don't believe that's why when they had the opportunity to be there in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, they wanted to. And I'll put this in your notes. When obeying God and in particular worshiping him in the congregation of the saints becomes a requirement, well, I have to. Well, somebody's going to talk about us. Well, somebody's going to ask us. Well, somebody's going to do. When it becomes a requirement, please listen, you have missed it and you will not remain steadfast. That's just the truth. When, it, when, when what we're doing right now becomes a have-to thing, when it becomes, uh, well, we, we better, it's the Christian thing to do or somebody's going to say something or somebody's going to, or the preacher's going to preach on me or something, you know, <laughs> when it becomes a have-to thing, when it becomes a requirement, you've missed the point of it all. See, the reward of obedience comes from willingness. When, when, when we are rewarded for our obedience, when we, when we say yes to, to the Lord, when we say, yes, God, I will do this. Yes, God, I will be faithful. Yes, God, I will go. Yes, God, I will give. Yes, God, I will serve. Yes, I will obey you, Lord. When it comes from a willingness, that's where the rewards are found, both in this world and the next. But the rewards are missed when it comes from a have to. Well, I guess I'll keep those kids next door. If nobody else, when they keep those kids, ministry directors keep hounding on me, I guess I'll go. <laughs> You're going to miss the whole reward, both now and in the world to come. Well, I guess I'll do this. If no, 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 no. The reward of obedience comes from willingness. And that willingness, please hear this too, that willingness to obey comes from love. It does. Man, it's not, it, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. It is not, it is not a heavy thing to, to serve God, to obey God. It's not some, it's something that the people of God throughout history have, there are some who have found joy in and there are some find it a burden. Why do some find it a joy to never miss, to always serve, to always go and share? Why do some find it such a joy in obeying the Lord? And then some, it feels like they are just trying to make it through the quicksand of obeying God. Man. This is so, such a pain. I wish I could just do something else. I, if I don't do this and somebody, why is it that for some and it's such a joy for others? I believe again, it comes from a place of sincere love for God. And I'm not saying the people who are struggling in obedience and going through a season of dryness or going through a seat we all do that. Going through a time where, man, you're just having a really difficult time with, with the saints of God. That's going to happen. That happens in your own family, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if you never had any problems with your kids, never had any problems with your spouse, never had any problems with your siblings, never had any problems with anybody in your family, but we do. And what do we do in those times? We should push forward to a better relationship beyond the issues, beyond the struggles, beyond the disobedience, beyond the arguments, beyond those things to a, a better season in our family. Look, that's what happens in church sometimes. Sometimes we just get off. Sometimes things get messed up. But if we don't keep Christ at the center and, and, and if we don't keep our love and our affection for him constantly cultivated and flourishing, then we will miss the joy in obeying the Lord. We'll miss the joy in being the people of God. 
We'll miss the joy and all the rewards that come along with it. These men, I believe, were in the Sabbath day, in the synagogue on the Sabbath day because they loved Jesus Christ. That's why they left their home. That's why they sold everything they had. That's why they went to worlds they didn't know because they loved Jesus more than anything. And that's why when they were tired and wore out and discouraged, maybe disheartening, disheartened from John Mark leaving them and go back home, so, so much hope for him. No, now they go on, they go to this next new land, and what do they do? They find a synagogue and they go to the house of God and they worship him there because they loved him. He was their everything. Jesus said it in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It will be a result of your love for me. Further down, he says this, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will disclose, I will manifest myself to him. Man, you want to know the Lord more? You, you, want, to, you want to be closer to God? You want, to, you want him to reveal himself? God, I just wish you would reveal yourself. I wish you would show yourself in these trials. I wish you would show yourself in the midst of all this difficulty in my life. Man, you better press into God then. You need to start loving him deeper, more sincerely. Your love for him should grow and flourish. I want to know God more. Then love him. Get, get in his word. Talk to him. Let your affection be stirred for him. And I believe in the middle of that pursuit, in the middle of that cultivating of your love, your heart for God, you will find great joy in obeying God, great steadfastness in obeying the Lord. It won't be a burden. It won't be difficult. It'll be a joy. Point number one is sincere and rewarding obedience comes from sincere love. The more you love Jesus, the less you love the world. The more you love Jesus, the less you love things. That's just the truth that's in Scripture. You can't have your heart divided. Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. He said this, you can't love the world and love him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. If you love things and you love this world more than God and his things, i.e. his word, fellowship, his people, worship, if you love the things in this world, when those things can trump the things of God, he says the love of the Father is not in you. That's not my words. That is what Jesus said. The more you love Jesus, he said, the more you love his people. That's why I said it goes back to love. Man, I don't have to, you don't have to bend my arm. People, yeah, you got to be here. You're the pastor. If you're not here, you're going to preach. Not look, we got other people that can preach. <laughs> I just take, well, you just, you, just want, you don't ever want to just stay home and chill and let Brother Jeffrey preach? Nope. Not because I feel like that he can't do an amazing job. I know he would do. Brother Turner, any, any of our preachers can do an amazing job. I love being with the people of God. <laughs> And I, my heart, my love for God is not where it should be. I want to love God more. I, I, I need to love God more. But I'm telling you, this is a joy to be with the people of God. You know what? Even when our girls have been in trouble and got, um, you know, sideways or whatever, they're good girls. I'm not trying to paint, paint a bad picture of them. But even when there's been strain or anything like that before, you know what? I never thought, ugh, I don't want to be around them. Don't even want to look at them, you know. <laughs> Never been there before. I think when our heart is right with God, I think we just, even with difficulty, we like being around the people of God. 
We love being around the people of God. First John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Beloved, in verse 11, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Why would Paul go on? John Mark, a believer, a fellow servant, bailed. Distrust was injected into the team. Who else is going to leave? Paul could have even been bitter. I don't, I don't want to trust anybody else. I've been burned. I've been hurt. He left us. I can't trust. Barnabas, you going to leave too? He was your cousin. Maybe they both would have been gun shy and pulled back, reassessed. Look, should we go on? Should we do anything else? Maybe that's where they would. They could have guarded themselves from other Christians and relationships. Well, now I can't have a relationship with anyone. Because by the way, aren't you just going to get burned again by somebody else? They went on and they went to church. And they weren't just sitting there. They were engaged. And I want to read this real quick and we'll close. Verse 15. After reading the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them saying, Brethren, if, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Paul didn't say, no. Good. Just had one of my close uh, ministry guys leave me. I, I, don't, I don't want to say anything. Paul could have been there. Paul, look what he does there. Paul stood up and motioning with hands. Some men of Israel who fear God, listen. He stayed on mission. He kept pushing forward. Even in the midst of all of this, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put, he put up with them in the wilderness. That's so true. When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, and who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, and after John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And while John was compl uh, completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. But behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of his feet I'm not worthy to untie. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. Paul continued, For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers recognize that neither him, Jesus, nor the utterances of the prophets were to read every Sabbath, fulfilled by these, by these, uh, these by condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses, his apostles, to the people. And we preach to you the good news, that's the word gospel, the promise made to the fathers that God has filled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus as it, it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. That's in the resurrection. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he, he died. He fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. 
his body turned to ash. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come to upon you. Behold, this is what they said, you scoffers and marvel and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which will never, uh, you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them. The next said, come back and say it again next week. And when the meeting in the synagogue had, synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. And so after desertion, after disappointment, after distrust, after opposition, what do they do? They continue. They press on. They kept going. They kept the main thing the main thing. They stayed faithful to the assembly. They stayed obedient to the faith. How? How did they do this? How can we do this? Love is what we've seen already. When Jesus is and remains our first love, we can't stop. We can't go back. We can't quit. We can't let up. We can't neglect. We can't allow worldly things to interfere. Why? Because he is our love, not this world. His love for us took him to the cross. And I believe his love in us would lead us to the same if necessary. That's what Paul wrote to the Philippians. I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. I want to encourage you this morning, Christian, we're going to face trials and tribulations in this life. As a pastor at that same conference we went to last week put it, he said this, if I love and invest in my church so much, I'll get hurt. And he said this, welcome to Jesus' world. Welcome to Jesus' world. I don't want to, be, I don't want to get in a, an adult connect group because I'm afraid that you know, I'll get close to people and then I'll end up getting hurt. I always get hurt in relationships with other Christians. Welcome to Jesus' world. He went on to say this, the irony, I'll put this in your notes, of tears and trials is that they make us feel like quitting. Amen? You go through trials and you, you get hurt, you get burned, you get frustrated. You, you go through trials and seasons and all that kind of stuff. And you, 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 go, you have all this stuff and they make you feel like quitting and yet... Tears and trials are the very things used of God to give us strength not to quit. So I want to ask you this morning, and I'm done, how's your love for God? Could you love him more? Are you loving him more? Is it about you, or is it truly about him? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for challenging me with this sermon. Thank you so much for challenging my love for you. Lord, I, I have confessed already and confessed before the congregation that I don't love you as much as I should, and I want to love you more. And Lord, I pray that would be every one of your children's desires, Lord, that we would find a greater and deeper love for you this morning. Lord, it would start this morning. And God, we would learn that if we're ever going to see a, a, a revival, a better spiritual day, a greater, more fruitful day ahead for not only us, but for our kids and our grandkids, and we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And we need to make sure that our love for you is growing more and more every day. 
We know that your burden is easy and your, yo your, 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 your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, help us to just be in that intimacy with you and experience that reality. I ask you to bless now as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand. As he plays, I want to encourage you to come.